Weirdos, you may not know this, but Dr. Brian Doak is a really big deal. <laughs> How big of a deal, you say? How big? How big? Dr. Brian Doak snagged an invitation to one of the biggest events of the year, especially for evangelical politicians and influencers. <laughs> is he an evangelical politician or influencer? Not to my knowledge. You are listening to weird religion. I mean, who's to say I'm not? Who's to say <laughs> he's I am? got a he's got a secret Instagram account How? where he teaches <laughs> young young minds. So Dr. Yes, did. Yes, I did. Please tell us how did you get an invitation to go to the National Prayer Breakfast? The I insist on the that. The National Prayer Breakfast, the nation's seventy year running number one moment for the confluence of church and state and secret yes. faith politics at the yes. heart of American power. How did you get that? How I did would, I, get I, that? Would, I want to go to that so bad. Oh, I would love to see it in action. This is the one chance, the one time when I got something that you didn't <laughs> in terms of evangelical royalty. Yeah, you win. I, you win. No. Uh, okay, so I have, um, I know, long story short. I know a guy. I know a guy. Um, I know a guy from the Midwest who threw, so the way they invite people to the national prayer breakfast, okay. which perhaps you can give us some more background on like what it is exactly in a moment. Sure, sure. For those who don't know, it was in the news a lot last week, last couple of weeks actually, for reasons we will soon reveal. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but basically I know somebody who's from a Midwestern state and it works. The invitations go on the basis of the local prayer breakfast uh, from each oh, state. And they had okay. like extra tickets and um, this person, whose company I enjoy had not seen me in a while and I not, had not seen him. And he was like, hey, do you want to come out and just hang out? And I was like, I don't really have a lot of time. So I did a 48-hour whirlwind tour, Whoa. was there for the opening dinner, was there for the actual breakfast, was there to, to feel the joy and the disappointment of the changed format and oh, all right. of the wildness about right, right, it. Right. And, um, and had a really fantastic time. But more on that presently, I think for the benefit of anybody out there living under a rock who does not know... <laughs> What the National Prayer Breakfast is. What What is it? When did this... Yes. How, tell us about this a little bit. I think of the National Prayer Breakfast as one of the premier public displays of piety in, mm. in conservative evangelical circles. Mm. It is an ostensibly ecumenical gathering yes. where prayers of all kinds yeah. come to the U.S. Capitol to pray together mm -hmm. Um but what it actually is, um, I think, in function, but, you know, I should ask you, well, is it is a kind of mega gathering of primarily white evangelical influencers of many kinds. One yes. of the kind of earlier bigger name, what better named known, better known names associated with this would be the Reverend Billy Graham, who mm -hmm. was kind of the icon of white evangelical representation and yep. and um, action in the mid 20th century. And it just grew from there to becoming this kind of a, a convention of sorts where yeah. faith leaders interact with politicians, as I understand it for the express purpose of having influence in national politics. It was also associated with like that, that this group called the family, right. which if you haven't seen the Netflix series or read the book on the family, it is, it's quite a ride. You it's, have not seen it. Have you seen it? I have not seen the documentary. Oh, I read oh. the book. It's one perspective, okay? Can I just tell you? Yes, that, please. Now, what is the family? The family is like a kind of like a partly, kind of a secretive fundamentalist evangelical organization that runs a house at the heart of Washington, D.C. and has kind of like 
kind of kind of slid their way in and out of important world affairs mm-hmm. at various points. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the field of of diplomacy, like right. they could serve as a sort of unofficial diplomatic wing of the government. Sometimes domestically, like for instance, I learned that the family brokered what is famously known as the hug which was a famous moment in Kenyan politics where it averted some kind of civil war that was going to happen in Kenya at one point. And they basically orchestrated a hug between two prominent people on either side of this conflict, which I guess maybe just barely did enough to really save lives. So they've got moments like this. But other people, of course, from a secular perspective, would look at what the family has done and the influence they've had and say, dirty, dirty, dirty. Well, yeah. I mean, I think... think, if you watch, if you're familiar at all with evangelical cult- culture in the United States, primarily but not exclusively white evangelical culture, mm-hmm. then it will not surprise it will surprise you zero percent to know that there are evangelicals who are interested in shaping American public life and who cooperate with one another and right. recruit one another yes. to do that work. Um, that, that is like the least surprising thing in the world. And so sometimes I do think there's a little bit of like dun, dun, dun kind right, of language right, around it. Right. It's like, well, of course they do. Have you ever seen a white evangelical person in action? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like saying, can you believe these people have a certain kind of faith? And that they're strategizing to use that faith yes. to do things. So it's 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 not surprising yes. at all. We can believe it. It does happen. I think the I think the it depends on who you ask, but the low key secrecy angle yeah. is just like flat out interesting. Anytime you tell someone yeah. it's a secret, like people are gonna be right. into it. They're into it. It's good marketing. I will say though that there's a there's a part where you know, there's there's kind of a culture of denial around it. Like, no, we're not trying to influence. Right. You know, we believe in a separation of church and state, but right. then we all show up for this. You know, so, so you can't yes. get around that part. So on that point, so usually the pre- like since 1953, when Dwight D. Eisenhower was the first yes. president to attend this, the president comes and gives an address at the breakfast. Right. This was the first year, I think in a long time, maybe ever, that that did not happen. Why didn't wow. it happen? It didn't happen because in, during the last prayer breakfast that was held before the pandemic, I, th- I believe in February of 2020, mm, so it's like the first mm-hmm. Thursday in February. That's like a sacred yes. date. You got to have yes. time in the sacredness like, of time. Yes. Okay. Um, he basically used the ecumenical, let's all hold hands and kind of have like a low key kumbaya kind of moment to trash Nancy Pelosi and Mitt Romney openly and declare his exoneration. <laughs> President Trump, you mean? Yes. From the, yes, from the Mueller probe. Um, and so that was seen yeah. as like a very uncouth moment. Which, okay, have you the, seen Donald Trump? You know, uh, like it, there's yeah. not one couth do thing you, about do that Do you person. know this guy at all? <laughs> um, we would only expect him so to do that. because of that, I guess, and because of rising bad press around the family and its connection to the president and the prayer breakfast in general, mm-hmm. what they decided to do only days before the event itself and unknown to me when I, when I, when I purchased my ticket was that they were going to split the prayer breakfast into a much smaller intimate gathering, which would quote, return us to the true spirit of the original <gasps> prayer breakfast with only the president and a few selected guests in the Capitol. And then wait, how the, much were this was the ticket? I, I don't even know. Priced differently. I, That's I, one. No, it, it may have been free for those people, oh. but for us, the rabble, it, how much did it cost? So it was 675 bucks. <gasps> a person. Yeah, that's how much you pay. And as you one, pay to pray. And as one person said to me afterward, I want my money back. Wait. Wait, say that again. Six hundred and six hundred and seventy five dollars. But it's it's not just for nothing. You get a dinner. Did you get a lanyard? A breakfast, <laughs> a lunch, and another dinner. And a lanyard. And it's like a networking event. 
So if you add up the food and you say, okay, each of these meals is like a hundred bucks, you could sort of be getting there. I mean, I don't know. Wow. It doesn't wow, sound wow, right. Wow. But to, 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 like, to pay that know. and to not see the president in person. Now, whom did we see? The keynote speaker was King Abdullah of Jordan, a uh, world leader. So I've never okay. been in a room with a real world leader. That's Interesting. Great. Yes. And uh, yes. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky was, was, was brought in live on video stream to our group. Fascinating. And it was to us. And he, wow. ref- he mentioned us. Um, to basically, he was like, like hey, how did he signal he was actually there in the room with you? Um, like, you hey, could, you in the blue sweater. Yeah, no, you could tell that it's like he was kind of, it was a little, like a little bit off and he was waiting for the live stream. Oh, to okay, and, so okay. on. and then he referred to the prayer breakfast that occurs on the first February. And wow. like this Psalms. It was actually genuinely moving. I bet. To see I would love to see Not him. because I know a lot about the Ukraine conflict or I know who's right and all that. I mean, go Ukraine, you know, whatever. Yes, but yes. like, it's because of the moral force he seems to embody and just being a little tiny, teeny, tiny part of world history in a sense. Of that's amazing. like that. Okay, that's worth, now, that's worth a lot right yeah, there. Yeah, but they, but they split it. And so there we were watching the president on live stream, which was, let's say, less inspiring. I mean, he referred to us in the room, all oh 1,200 of us at the Washington Hilton, which is where this has typically been held. Wait, wait. Can we just back up for a second? We can do lots of backups. Set the scene for me. Uh, yes. What I want to know, okay, okay. you know, I love aesthetics. I love yep. ritual. So yep. okay, okay. first, oh, like yeah. paint a picture all right. for all of us all right. who who did not right. fork over 600 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you get there and you show up for the dinner and I'm just like, now, first of all, the security and the organization was top notch. Really? The wow. There were like multiple checks. It's like having surgery. You know how they ask you like eight times what your name is? Right. And then like check your ID. And then and they so put on. an X on which leg they're going to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was, they were super friendly, but it was one of the most organized conference groups I've ever seen. But the wow. friendliness was off the chart. Well, of the I family mean, volunteers who are checking you in. We go to scholar conferences and those are not known for organizations. Terrible so. organization. Okay, horrible, okay. So this is like for upgrade. The, for the organization, I give them a standing ovation. Great. Now, I did have a thought, which I did record. I, I made a couple of in the moment recordings. <gasps> yes. Um, not as many first person recordings as I wanted to. I was just carried away in the grandeur of it all. <laughs> but um, this is one I recorded while I was in the registration okay. line. I'm inside the prayer breakfast trying to get my registration card or lanyard or something. And my first impression, what am I doing here? So that was my first impression. It's just like feeling weirded out, like looking at all these people and being right. like, I hadn't worn a suit in a while. Oh yeah. That, okay. So that was going to be my question. Like, what's suits. the dress code? Cause it's 80% the East. suits, East coast. This is Washington DC, red tie, black suit, white shirt. Oh wow. Lots wow. of people with that uniform on. What did you wear? Oh, first night I was wearing only like kind of like gray khakis and kind of like a black jacket and a button-up shirt with no tie. Oh. Because there were some people that were dressed very casually, mostly younger people. And it was a mix. There were oh, a, it, interesting. It was a boomer thing, let's be clear. But there were a lot of young people there. A lot. Tell us more about Boomtown. I mean, Boomtown. I mean, it was so Boomtown <laughs> that they actually, and this is actually true, they actually brought in a boomer comedian. Wait, did he, was he or she? I'm he, just guessing. It was a he. <laughs> Build as such? They... Yeah, no, they didn't say. I am so and so boomer comedian. No, they didn't say I am so and so boomer comedian, but it was very much like, you know, it was like a few, they'd have a few like senators speak or say something. They'd have some ecumenical moments of like, you know, it was all about like love, love, Mm -hmm. prayer, prayer. It was almost like an incantation. We didn't actually do any real praying. It was more like the idea of praying. Whoa, 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 whoa. Prayer. Wait a minute. Prayer. Prayer will bring us together. Pray. Okay, I want to get to a great quote about prayer. (laughs) I know you prayer breakfast. You'd think we were all on our knees praying. Well, we were not. 
we were well we in a okay. certain way now let me okay. come back to this. let me tell you more about this boomer comedian i recorded a clip of the boomer comedian i missed the part i thought you would love okay it was a boomer comedian because it was an older guy and the jokes were shall we say tailored to a certain audience mm-hmm. like when he launched into a thing about how if you know china or russia wanted to destroy us t- today they wouldn't have to undermine our culture or bomb us they just have to drop peanuts over the country because we're all because- allergic to peanuts <gasps> and what losers we are now I have a daughter that is allergic to peanuts. And I, have I don't a know son why who's she's allergic. actually. I don't know why I didn't make that happen. I'm so so sorry, boomers, that we're so weak that my daughter broke out into hives and could possibly have her air, airway constricted if uh, she has peanuts. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I actually feel like not laughy, but very angry. Yeah, right no, now. I know it was. It was yeah, because I also yeah. have a child, and it is. It was just ridiculous. Terrifying. Let's listen to this. Okay. Guy. Let's listen to him <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So here's so here's here here's part of the peanut joke. Okay. Peanut allergies came from in America. You remember one kid, one, not one child. Now oh, they're everywhere. Terrorists do not need to blow up another building in this country. <gasps> they go to the planter's factory. Crop dust Atlanta. Oh, God. Crop dust Atlanta. Why exactly Atlanta? I, I. Okay, that, uh, was, that, was one, that was one part of it. I'll play you another wait, one. Wait, what was the response in the room? Because that seems somewhat lukewarm. I, it was lukewarm. Okay. He wasn't really killing it, let's say. <laughs> Oh he goodness. was trying. We're spending too much time on this boomer comedian, but this is truly a funny point because it tells you, okay, okay. here in this clip, he's going on and on about how grandkids are always having like stuffy noses and stuff. So it was like a good grandpa okay, kind of okay. jokes. I can um, get behind a grandparent yeah, joke. Yeah, some, gran- some grandpa kind of jokes. Yeah, just, you know. That's like the grandkid. It's dripping from his lips. Yeah, super funny. This is when a friend was te- this is when a friend was texting me. He was like, "Hey, let's go meet outside and go out for a drink." And I was like, "Yup." So, so he's talking about drinking in cups. Okay, here's he's gonna go back. To, he's gonna go back to the theme here, though. Okay, okay. It's a different world. Tammy and I talked about it. My wife and I talked. If we raised our kids today the way we raised them thirty years ago, we figured it out. We would definitely lose custody. Uh, uh, child uh, abuse is so funny. Thirty years ago. In the streets, playing unsupervised without a helmet. Yep, that's what we do. Our kids wear helmets. Yep. How dare you? How dare? So you know. It How was, dare so, you put your kids? So he's in going on and on helmet. like that. Okay. Okay. So the prayer quote. So they, they, they brought up a kind of a keynote speaker for night one. Okay. Who was this keynote speaker? It was Uh-oh. someone named Kathy McMorris Rogers. Okay. She's from Washington, nearby Fair Washington State. Oh. Where, where the politics are, are are very, very vicious in Washington. Oh, yeah. You Washington, you people from Washington. Uh, you people from Washington, you're very brutal. Okay. So she's a U.S. representative for Washington's 5th okay. Congressional District. And the, the introduction to Kathy was all like, you know, love, and I'm friends with a Democrat, and we pray together. And some of my best friends. Some of my best friends are Democrats, or some of my best friends are Republicans, and they were okay. really into okay. this. So then she gets up there. She's not a particularly articulate speaker, but Uh-oh. she was speaking in a heartfelt way. She came to Congress as a single lady. Okay. All the single ladies got married while she was there, has some okay. beautiful kids. I'm like looking her up because I'm like, I don't know. All the, I'm Who not, is this I'm person? not politically yeah. connected. I don't know. Oh, come to find out, she was a total election denier. Okay. Voted against the certification so of the election. she must be from Eastern Washington. So, yeah. So it's like there was a little bit of kind of just a discordant note, but she had a quote. Uh-oh. She had a quote from her talk um, that I wanted to remember. Okay. She said, quote, prayer is the great uniter. Um, and she said this, this is her quote to remember. She said, a little prayer, a little power. 
More prayer, more power. Much Ooh. prayer, much power. So she didn't say it like that, but I, I intoned it. I intoned it as I think the true meaning, right? But do you wow. hear the slippage there? I do, I do, like I do. What? Do you hear it? Yes, do you hear I what do. I'm saying? More, wow. much, more prayer, more power, more. That was kind of the theme. I would call that the theme of the event. Reflect on that. <laughs> I'm I'm reflecting. I, I, yeah, that is, you know, I think this phrase gets overused, but when people say they said the quiet part out loud or whatever, mm -hmm. I do think that's probably a good example mm. of, of that. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what the response in the room was to that was what, cause that the way what you said to me sounds like I could imagine it in a preached cadence mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, a, a really skilled yes. preacher will yes. build up by the time you get to that much prayer, much power, people are, are, you yep. know, with you and yep. kind of responding. Did you get any of that? Sort of, yes. People were very sympathetic. I mean, it was a very, it was a very easy crowd in a sense, maybe not for the comedian in the sense like it's tough. Comedy is like you're either laughing or you're not. Right. right? So that's yes. hard Yes. for all the other speakers. I mean, it was all, it was all very, very, uh, you know, just like at worst, just like tepid clapping at best, you know, like, wow, that was great. Um, she, she injected not one note of partisan politics into her talk there. Okay. Not one that okay. I heard. So you'd have to know her. You'd have to, to know. know so I'm there like Wikipediaing <laughs> Kathy in the background being like, Kathy, you <laughs> thought the Capitol what? riot was great. You yeah. thought the election was <laughs> false. So in a way it's like almost like the lie there is coming up in, in front of a prayer breakfast. It, it just felt like, look. I mean, this is the problem anytime you do this kind of like prayer or, or even just ecumenism. I'm sure we have many listeners out there who are kind of like post-religious types who are like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can use religion as a meeting place to all of us kind of get past our problems. And maybe religion has outlived its primitive function as, you know, something that's the really real for people or whatever. But maybe we could all kind of use its symbolic power. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I don't know how you feel about that, Leah, but I'm just kind of like, you got to you've got to use language that's so vague. It's almost like this god with this lowercase g that we're all supposed to rally around to the point where it's like we're all sitting around like meditating on a rock or something well, like that. And it's like yeah, I don't know. So so in yes. a sense, like Kathy's speech, I'm like, it was nice, but it's like she's leaving out the most important parts of her for her, which is I think like this issue of like the mega thing politically, right? Which is I would guess intertwined with her own religious convictions. Um, yes, I you know. When it comes to using a kind of ecumenical religious thing in a public space as a secular sort of meeting point, mm -hmm. the thing that it brings to mind is one of the best theoretical, there, a couple of theoretical thinkers, but one is Timothy Fitzgerald, who mm -hmm. has this book called The Ideology of Religious Studies. Mm -hmm. And he essentially argues that the project of religious studies, so to use like the category of religion, for analysis mm -hmm. is essentially a form of liberal Protestantism. Mm -hmm. So even assuming like the, the, just the idea that there's this sort of general religion is not true. <laughs> like that, right. like when we say that, when we have this sort of like, we're it's, it's usually a Christian space, what people think of. Yes. And so it's impossible to detach it from Christian mm -hmm. claims mm -hmm. And so that that's where I think it feels so dishonest is that I see you know people are trying I mean I would guess that 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 room was 98 to 99% Christian 
big international component. There have always been, been plenty of Muslims at the prayer breakfast. So you've got that. Okay. Right? Okay. But, but yes, percentage-wise. Huge percentage. Right? At least 90%. Must, be, must have been 90. Must have been 85. Could have been 90. Could have been higher. And most of those would be like evangelical-ish. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so it's, I think that it's that that sort of, at least in, in I, I have yet to see an ecumenical religious space function the way that people want it to. I see. What you you mean. know what I mean? And I so it's like, it's always ends up being yeah, yeah. Christian, well, you know? And for, yes. So that's one critique this, and that be, may be a more compelling critique. I'll provide another one from a Christian perspective in, in the room, maybe not one that shared all of the faith perspectives of the people there, but I'll cite sure. my own, which is like the other critique, which is like, you can almost feel as though there's, a whiff of paganism, a whiff of Baal worship occurring <laughs> under this kind of stuff because you're like, you're taking something that's specific and precious to me, let's say. Oh, yes. And you're basically kind of abstracting it and allowing all kinds of like idolatries and fakeness come in under that label. Mm. You know, so you could critique it from that side too. Like it's idolatrous. Yeah, You've yeah, basically yeah. taken the the God, the claims of the God that I serve and you've made it and you've made it, you've abstracted it and allowed other people with whom I do not agree. So it's this grand, it's this grand religion polarity. I think I've heard you talk about, if not on the show in some other format between holiness and access, mm-hmm. right? You need, you need, people need to be able to access something. So you got to make it big, but, but it has to be holy. So you got to kick the people out. Yeah. There's so always like, going to be, how that do you kick enough there. people out and how do you let enough people in? And when does it feel right? And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like art. You can never, it's, it's a very much a beholder kind of feeling. It's hard to get it objectively right. You know, oh, let me ask you this about the national prayer breakfast. So there was some coverage right beforehand mm-hmm. about how the family was supposedly going to take a step back. And then there right. were some stories that were like, no, actually they're not really taking <laughs> leaked, a step back. Leaked emails that suggested yeah, maybe the they family's weren't. actually, you know, so did you, see the family i don't know I, how you would know I, oh I, i've got news for you this is something oh just good. get ready please get ready the key speaker the key host and one of my great regrets of this whole thing is i didn't write down everyone's name who was speaking oh and it was a lot of people were coming up behind the mic like rapid fire like a speaking parade yes it was it was a parade of people it was a parade of influencers and leaders and people i remember king abdullah obviously and and joe biden on video give me my 675 dollars back <laughs> But um, I don't, there are a lot of the other people. I, I remember a guy named Wintley Phipps, who was uh-huh. a gospel singer who uh-huh. um, played this, he sang this beautiful song or two. But I don't remember the main host at the beginning. He was an older white gentleman. Okay. He referred, for an event that was trying to distance itself from the family, he sure used the phrase the family a lot. Oh, and no. In, and in fact, <laughs> and in fact, on not just one, but two occasions. He said the family. He said, not only did he say the family, he said, you know what? When we gather here in the name of Jesus, you know, some of you might, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was very much stuff like this. If we're gathering here, we're gathered here today for prayer, for unity, and in the name of Jesus. And you know what? Some of you may may think Jesus just a good man. We welcome you. And for others of you, he's the savior of the universe. And that's the reason that we're here. And and you know what? We're family here. And you know what? If you're here, welcome. You're you're part of the family. So I was inducted. You're, wait a minute. I was inducted You're into the family. You're a part of the family. Yes, I think so. I think I'm in. I think I'm in the family. Congratulations. Because he said, he did say that we were all part of the family. So does this mean you can, you know, change the world? Like, I, what what is the policy issue you'll be tackling I, as a as a newly inducted? Well, you know. <laughs> tax reform. Look, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Israelis and Palestinians. 
you know what? Let me just head over there and let's just see what um you know they've been in the news lately. Um, we can solve this. You got it. You got it. We can have some. Oh my. Um, wow. Okay. So wait. I've been looking online, by the way, while you were talking, still listening, but trying to find a link to this hug in Kenya thing. I cannot find evidence of it anywhere. Is, Is it real? It- I know it's real. I've talked to somebody who knew about this. Okay, well, I have not. We're going to have to so, check on this. Okay, so hold, put, it, put an asterisk next that. to that. We don't fact check ourselves. You know what? This is not what this is about. I think okay, it would be but. fascinating if it wasn't real, and then we could track down who the said history that? of that story, because this feels like the best kind of evangelical myth-making right. that something a group like the family would definitely yeah. create. And it's like far away, and so yeah. people, yeah. Here's what I felt like I was a part of, and and I guess this is this is what I want to ask you, maybe in closing here. Okay. I felt like I was just by being there, just being there, as as weird as it was, whatever. I felt like I was playing a small part in American history at the intersection of religion and politics. But the fact that there was this split and this problem that hasn't occurred since 1953, and this mm-hmm. awareness. Mm-hmm. Does it signal that there's something d- different, some new direction going on in all of this? Or is this just a cosmetic thing and all of the dynamics are... I'm not saying that the National Prayer Breakfast would lead this, but is this a sign of a bigger thing that's happening right now in evangelicalism where it's like, you know, maybe there's some kind of tremor here. Maybe this can't. Maybe we can't be involved in, in evangelical faith and state kind of stuff in the same way. Maybe it's just too uncomfortable. Oh, you know, because there were people who decided to boycott it? Because, no, because they split the event and signaled a kind of a problem. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I see. That they split the president mm. physically from the event. Uh, clearly, there was some discomfort there. There was some sense of a problem. What is the problem? What is, what, what's the issue there? You know, I don't, there's probably some secret always behind the secret and some politics behind the politics. That's but really fascinating. Is it like a sign of the times, you know, in other words? Mm. You know, I'm sort of curious about, um, so... I'm in gonna play. By the way, while you talk over you, I'm gonna play some Wintley Phipps. Nice, how great please do, yep. please do. Wait, I don't want to talk over that. I want to hear it. Oh no, wait. Just listen to it. Wow. I mean, it's just a beautiful voice. Okay, so anyway. Wow. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, you can't. Wait, I gotta wait. You can't. You cannot I, talk over Wintley. I don't want to. You don't hear that kind of rich tone on the radio very often. No. What, a, what a beautiful thing. Not anymore. Okay. So, um, wow, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Our, oh, yeah. Whitley you know, okay. So, I think of the National Prayer Breakfast as a white evangelical event mm-hmm. in its core identity. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't was. see it as a signal of like religion in the United States mm. in any meaningful way, mm. but it is interesting to think about it as a potential fracture in evangelical activism circles. Like the fact that, you know, I think in eras past, if there had been, I mean, you know, Trump is such a distinct figure, but in eras past, if there had been a mass, you know, we're going to boycott this thing. Mm -hmm. I think usually there would have been like an evangelical activist majority who would somehow position themselves as the victims of this thing. And then there would be Mm -hmm. a defiant, like we're going to gather anyway, even though we're facing, we're embattled, we're blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. The fact that there was some sort of accommodation or that the family felt that they had been branded badly and needed to shift gears seems significant to me. Yeah. Because prior to that, I think it would have just gone without saying that, Mm -hmm. This is how we do things. There's no need to, even when people get mad, because it, 
I have done a lot of research into like even white evangelical activism in like the 1980s and 1990s. And there were people who said stuff, believe it or not, there are people who called them Christian fascists mm -hmm. in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that they're having to like change shift gears is different because mm -hmm. maybe they don't have the kind of numbers and standing that they would have had before. I mean, you were there like demographically, what are we looking at? Overwhelmingly white, especially white leadership, especially older they were trying in that older person, step one of 25, trying kind of way to incorporate other faces and right, voices. Right, Came off to me, I'm being a righteous white liberal here, <laughs> came off as a little bit like tokenism. Right, right. Came off as a little inauthentic. I think a lot of young people would have seen it that way. And so they weren't quite able to overcome, but they were, they were trying. I wonder, and I don't know because I'm not in these circles. Obviously, I'm not in the family, like well, someone in this well, room. Well, um, But I wonder if it stings a little to not be like the thing. I think there was something. There was there was something weird in the air, and everybody knew it, and it was in the news. <sighs> and so, wow. Maybe next year. Maybe I'll go back. Oh man, now I really want. I mean, I think you. Got, I, you I'm just go. not connected. Well, now I know someone in the family, so I'll get you in. This has been a production of Weird Religion. A podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us into the ocean. Allow your heart to blossom. Retreat into the gorgeous and haunted forests of your mind. Find us there. <laughs>